Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we'll be discussing the first round of the XVL Badkamers Trophy, nicknamed the Bad Eende Trophy. We will talk about the first round there and with me here to do that are Twan. Hello. And Isan. Hey everybody. The mighty Koppenberg made its return today on the 1st of November, a national holiday in Belgium. That's why we had a race on Monday and well, it was also muddy, lots of rain, Really a tough race, and Isan will tell us exactly what happened in the men's race. Yeah, in, in, indeed, Koppenberg is always a tough race. We had a, a, a decent start, actually, no real issues there. And uh, it was quite obvious from the start that there were two guys just a little bit stronger than the rest of the field, and that was uh, Elisabeth and Tonarts behind them. We saw a strong Corne van Kessel, also Ton van der Bos, Dan Soute was there, and uh, Michael van Turenhout also in the beginning with Lars van der Haar. But it was, it was very clear from the start that Elisabeth and Tonarts were the ones that are going to be battling uh, for, for the victory. Between the two, it was, it was basically a little bit of, of playing with each other, seeing who is a little bit stronger. But it was also very obvious that Elisabeth just had an edge over Arsen when he tried to push. Arts had no answer. Also had a crash when he was in pursuit. Uh, but it was quite obvious uh, that Elisabeth was going to victory. And then it was second place for Tonarts, uh, who in his last lap actually was able to, to, to get back a little bit. The gap was 40 seconds and made the gap only uh, back to 24 seconds. And then the battle for third, where Tone van der Bos for a long time was in that position. But in the end, the more experienced Lars van der Haar was able to take uh, third place and round up the podium uh, on the Koppenberg cross. Elisabeth here today claimed his eighth win of the season. And I guess it's fair to conclude that in absence of the big three and their entourage, Elisabeth is clearly the best of the riders who are currently here. And I mean, if you aren't here, you can't win. But sure, Donard can put up a good fight if he has a very good day or Elisabeth has a slightly bad day or the team tactics at Paul Sauze don't work out. But I think we just need to conclude and admit here that so far this season, Elisabeth has simply been the best overall and certainly the most consistent. He should also mention, together with Arts, uh, Quinton Hermans, as he, of course, did win in Fire's View and has looked like challenging Isabit a few times. Unfortunately, not everything going quite right for him. But as you said, indeed, uh, so far, Isabit has been the man of the season. And today, he just showed it again. I mean, Arts could do nothing. We came onto the Koppenberg in, at the end of the second lap and Isabit just powered away from Arts gaining like five six seconds on the climb only and then after that he just extended he had i think a over 30 second gap at some point but arts put in a rapid fast lap limiting the damage to 24 seconds of course not irrelevant considering this is the classification on time and every second can count towards the end so i guess that's good news for arts but arts never really was able of challenging easy beat just showed he was the best, as I already mentioned, no, no one to keep repeating myself. So, where do you guys think that Elisabeth stands with what we've seen from him now when the big cyclocross stars come back from their well deserved rest after a busy road season? I, I think personally, Elisabeth made a made a huge step uh, from from last season. It's it's not it's not like huge in terms of performance, but I definitely think he matured in a way. Obviously, it's a back-to-back victory. Uh, he, he won in Overijse and he won again today. And I think that alone is already very, very hard to do uh, because there are not many that, that are able to win both in Overijse and in, on the Koppenberg. So I think, you know, I, I, 
it, it will be hard to place him now within with those guys because we don't know what the level of a Van der Poel, of a Pitcock, of a Wout van Aert will be when they return back to the field. But I personally think that this year might be the year that Iserbit is going to be able to to challenge uh, the guys. And especially when they're a little bit more at the back in certain races, I think Iserbit is just going to be able to, I wouldn't say win, but he's definitely going to be able to bring up a fight. It has been the conversation for the last two years-ish already. Uh, like, can they actually challenge the big guys when they come back into the field? And I think at the uh, start, they will have their moments and they will make it a bit tough, make the races interesting as uh, Van der Poel, Van Aert and Pitcock work their way up the starting order and uh, collect some UCI points and not have to start from the back. But once they really get back into crossing, they are starting from the first, second row again and they have found the rhythm again. I, I don't think Isbit is going to be close just like the past seasons. Yeah, I mean, the record Izabit has put in the last two years does speak against him, but I do think Izabit gets better every year. And, of course, he looks to excel when it's a bit warmer, the cold, the rainy conditions, which we are probably going to see more in December and January, seem to suit him less. The thick mud also seems to suit him a bit less. But, yeah, the Izabit I've seen this season so far looks to be handling the mud okay. I mean, Gita had a lot of thicker mud, there he got third, but the fight field was also pretty muddy, he got second, which maybe wasn't a true representation of his form, but, well, it looks that Izabit has improved. Will he be able to consistently fight with Van der Poel and Van Aert? I don't think so, I think these riders are above the, le- above the rest. Pitcock, well, he's a bit of an unknown, last year he could fight on certain parkourses with them, this year... I hope he's made a step that he can consistently compete with them and we can see three-way battles. But only time will tell. And I think Izerbeet, as Ton said in the beginning, when we see these riders starting at the back due to their lack of UCI points, we will see Izerbeet having basically a free lead of 25-30 seconds, which can be hard to cross. Maybe he can grab a win here or there. But as soon as we get a clean race between those two, I think he will fall a bit short. And to proceed a bit on that, that was also the conversation on Sporza, the Belgian broadcaster. There was the idea from, I don't exa- I think it was from the guy who was asking the questions. He said that maybe Isabit needed to ride a Grand Tour to be able to compete with those riders. So he has an extra few percent in terms of performance. I would like to have your guys' opinion on that. Do you guys think, first of all, that that would make a big difference for him, regardless of the fact if it's realistic or not that he can ride one? Well, if I look at the results he's getting on the road uh, up until now in his career, there is nothing that we have seen with Van Aert. There's nothing that we have seen with Van der Poel. There's nothing that we have seen with Pitcock. There is no real road results that you're like, uh, there is a very good road rider in there. And he can actually challenge himself in like a meaningful winning way at the higher level. So I just don't think it is at all realistic to talk about such things. But regardless if it's realistic or not, do you think that riding a Grand Tour will substantially increase his base level that he would be able to compete with Van der Poel and Van Aert? Or is that maybe just not even on the table because he hasn't doesn't really get these road results that he would basically be peloton filling in a grand tour 
I, I think personally that I think every rider that, that goes to a Grand Tour and actually, you know, succeeds in, in finishing it, uh, will always grow. I mean, we see it also with, uh, with the likes of, for example, Quinten Hermans. I think before the Giro, he was obviously a guy that was strong. But I think definitely that the Giro made him a, a better rider in a way. And it, it helps obviously with volume, it mentally as well. I think it was Adri van der Poel was also talking about that, that, you know, for him, it's 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 way different when he comes from a Tour de France in the summer and then he goes to the field for him. It's also mentally he can prepare himself better because it's then only an hour instead of looking towards that hour as a as a very long time period in a way of a race. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think it, it wouldn't harm him to do a Grand Tour, but I, I, I just don't know how realistic it will be to materialize something like that. Yeah, I don't think it's realistic at all. If we look at the situation on the road, there are a whole lot of World Tour teams. Then Ops and Phoenix, of course, they get the invite because they are the leader of the Pro Conti rankings because they actually have a phenomenal squad with Van der Poel, Philips, Merlier. We can continue with a couple of other names, but, well, they get that invite. But Paul Sauze, as Twan said, Easybeat doesn't really get these results. They don't have the riders. And then we come to the point, there's this other team on the road, Bingo Paul Sauze, which is the opposite of Paul Sauze, Bingo in terms of naming, same sponsors. Mette Penninger said he doesn't want to send Isabit on loan there for the summer and then have him back because he would work with different staff and different things and he doesn't want that, which in my opinion is weird. He would rather, actually he said he would rather invest the, well, it's probably you're speaking about hundreds of thousands of euros to become Pro Conti and ride that schedule, so Isabit could have a shot at riding a Grand Tour. But, Tuan, we just can't see him get a wild card for any of the Grand Tours. The wildcard situation as it is, is it's very tight. And I think opposite Phoenix, if they didn't have the automatic spot, would still get one or two for the Grand Tours. But even they wouldn't be able to get all three because the Giro wants to invite the Italian teams. The Tour de France wants to invite the French teams. And the uh, Vuelta wants to invite the Spanish teams. It is extremely hard in the current system to get in there anyway. And they just don't have any of the attractive things to actually get them in. Yeah, I agree on that. So I think for Isabit, he will be stuck to racing Conti races. Nevertheless, a great performance by him today to take the win ahead of Don Art. Teammates of Don Art, Lars van der Haar, got third after a pretty slow start to the race, but good recovery comfortably in that third place. Solid ride by his countryman, Cornet van Kessel, to claim fourth. Fifth place, Don van der Bos, another very solid ride by him today. Then we find a duo of Deschamps, Hens, Maas, who end 6th and 7th, Tom Meuse and Lander Lokes. Then we see Michael van Turenhout in 8th, Jens Adams in 9th and Thijs Aarts in 10th. There are quite some names missing in this top 10. Quinten Hermans not here. Vincent Basams could perhaps have gotten a top 10 here, but you need to make choices. And a bunch of under-23 riders who rode their designated under-23 race. However... I think we should mention that duo of the Chantens Mass, Meus and Lokes, 6 and 7. Great ride by them, even considering the absence of certain riders. I think the sponsor can be very happy with that result. No, I, I would be happy if I was uh, director sportif of, of, of the team. You know, it's uh, it's definitely good to have those. It's a televised uh, race, so I think that is it's important if it's a televised race to, to be in a top 10, even in a top 5. I think 6 and 7th is 
is definitely not bad considering that they that they're missing um uh their their main riders in a way if you can call them like that i think what also played a big role is the fact that they were not uh present in in overijsen at the world cup and i think overijsen you know it was a very tough race and i think that played a big role in the fact that they are uh 6th and 7th uh in the race also next to the fact that there are not so you know the field is not very uh, spread in a way because there are not a lot of riders like you mentioned or we miss some riders that, that, that you mentioned so yeah i think i think it's a very good performance overall yeah maybe a bit disappointing performance by mark van tournaut who ended just behind them but Twan tournaut had a fast start exploded pretty bad but coming over the finish line he didn't look good did he no it, it looked terrible and so was the result and the performance to be honest because uh here you expect him to uh be challenging for that podium and instead he is coming in eighth behind lander lokes uh which is it's just not someone you expect him uh, to have to battle with a uh, really bad day for michael von Thunout and uh, let's hope for him that he can swiftly move on toward the uh, european championships well i think we've covered the men's race then not really that much to say but it's the koppenberg the koppenberg doesn't lie gaps were big pretty early on in the race so not much to say then on to the women's race that was way more exciting than the men's race and Tuan will tell us why uh, we got off to a very good start all of the favorites not being too far behind it was Betsma with Vash and Kasteline that were able to take the initiative through the first part of the lap but as we cross the line uh, it would already be Betsma with Honsinger uh, very close by and that would be the battle of the day as Vash uh, would uh, dangle about and around but not quite be able to hang on and uh, she would finish in a very strong uh, third place but Clara Honsinger finally with a good enough start and the Koppenberg cross as you said doesn't lie the strongest today and she was finally able to get that victory ahead of Denise Betsma with a very very strong showing by uh, the woman in the stars and stripes yeah Clara Honsinger finally things all fell into the places where they need to fall for her we mentioned in our preview podcast that, well, not only in our preview podcast, we've been talking about it for the past one and a half seasons now, I think. If she can improve her first lap, she is able to fight for wins and not necessarily fighting for a top five or a podium. Because in terms of pace, she was always able to match the leaders, especially on tough parkourses like we saw today. But on the Koppenberg, once again, not a great getaway. But that's what we did mention in our preview podcast. A bad start on the Koppenberg doesn't necessarily mean everything. There's plenty of riders, like we saw today with Clausel, who pace up the Koppenberg and then fall back because they exploded. Honsinger didn't do that. And yes, she was caught behind somewhere. But I think the most she was behind was 15 seconds. And on the climb, she easily powered past the rest and... I am personally very happy to see everything come together for her and that she's able to take that win here today. Yeah, we have been saying this for, I think, over a year now. If she fixes her start, there is serious potential here and she can actually win some of these big uh, crosses. And the fact that she's able to do it, it is amazing. And uh, in the women's category, to make that back-to-back races 
where uh, a non-Dutch person uh, wins and they are also two different people. It's uh, it's an amazing uh, week for cyclocross. I mean, it all just looked so easy today. The way she powered up the Koppenberg, especially the cobbled part, it just looked so easy. Easily taking, well, easily, relatively easy, or at least by the looks of it, gaining between 5 and 10 seconds on Betsema every lap there. And then very smart as well, in my opinion. Islam, I don't know how you think about it, but the rest of the lap she was not taking unnecessary risks in the downhill, taking it easy. Gaining a couple of seconds on the uphill parts, but not exploding anywhere. Really, really solid overall. Super performance by Honsinger. Yeah, like like you said as well. I'm just very happy that it all came together because we kind of knew that the potential was there. Start was an issue, and like you said, the Koppenberg is is a race where the start is not particularly the the most important part. The start is always. It's a bit frightening to start at the bottom of the Koppenberg and to go to that Koppenberg the first time. Like, it's the first meters that you do is the Koppenberg. So, yeah, it's um, it, it was it was a very good race. You could see she was in a good rhythm. Uh, the power was there. The, the She was not taking too many risks in, in, in the descent. She had one one mistake where she crashed, but overall it was it was quite, you know, it was a clean, clean race. And she didn't panic when Betsema was a little bit in front. And when she was able to to catch her, she was just, you know, uh, phenomenal performance overall. And it was really, really nice to see, really good to see. And once again, it just shows that if her first lap is good or good enough, she is able to fight for the win. And that was good to see. We saw a second place here today for Denise Betsma, who actually was able to stay with Hontinger for quite a while. Tuan, what did you think about the race of Betsma? It, it looked good, but um, you could see that Hontinger was just that little bit stronger and as long as Betsma didn't really try and put pressure on her throughout the lap and they were gonna go side by side onto the Koppenberg you know who was going to win because Honsinger just was able to gap her every time somewhere between five and ten seconds. Yeah and we saw kind of a different side for Betsma for the first time she wasn't really satisfied with that second place and during the race for the first time saw her actually get a bit physical with Honsinger trying to go down the inside somewhere, ultimately not working out and, well, basically disappearing or being dropped for a while after that, but at least she tried for once. Yeah, it was a bit of a different side and I think it's uh, good to see that uh, there is that competitive fire in there. Uh, it just uh, took uh, Clara Honsinger to uh, activate it today. Don't forget that Honsinger also crashed and basically lost 10 seconds due to that and ultimately came back again so it just shows once again Hunsinger was the stronger rider over Betsema. Let's run down our entire top 10 then here today we had the win for Clara Hunsinger from the Cannondale Cyclocross World Team ahead of Denise Betsema and Kata Blanca Vash the winner of yesterday who looked a bit tired but still put in a solid performance. Jare Gastelijn in fourth which was a solid ride showing that she still has it on park courses that suit her ahead of world champion Lucinda Brandt who is now two minutes down in the classification then 6th place for European Champion Cien Del Carmen Alvarado ahead of Anne-Marie Vorst, Femme van Empel, and then we find the Clausel sisters who round off the top 10 with Helene Clausel in 9th and Perrine Clausel in 10th. Let's start a bit by touching upon Lucinda Brandt. We have a bit more information regarding her. She had a very bad crash in Overijse during the parkour practice and 
that affected her today not a lot of power there as well and i guess that is basically what we can conclude lucena brandt lacked the power today because in the uphill sections she just wasn't looking great but in the downhills it looked fine so i guess that's what we can conclude about her isam yeah at least there is a there is a clear reasoning in a way how you know uh, to explain how what why her performances are not really the performances we could we can expect from her um i think a brand in in good condition is always going to be able to bring a fight for for a podium today it was just not really there it was from the start very clear that she was just not going to be able to fight for a podium i think that top five in general is a very strong performance and she will be recovering i guess and she had a bit of bad luck uh, the couple of weeks so hopefully she can turn that around uh, going the next few weeks she still managed to finish ahead of Seyunda Carmen Alvarado. Sixth place is better than her 13th or 14th place that she got yesterday. But still, there are some signs that it's a bit disappointing. I think for Alvarado, sixth is good considering the nature of the Koppenberg, which doesn't suit her. But there's been a bit of mystery around her because she said there are things this summer which led to me not being able to train good enough and my preparation was bad because of it. What it was. She didn't say, she just said she wasn't healthy. Whatever that means, we don't know. We still don't know what was up with her blood values, which caused her to skip the weekend of Meulebeke, Gita and the USA World Cups. So I don't really know what's going on. But considering all of that, I think Alvarado can be happy with the sixth place, I guess. Yeah, if so much is going on and has been going on, uh, then I think 6th place limiting the damage to 2 minutes it's not too bad it's usually not a course that we expect her uh, expect to see her up too high so I think this is a perfectly fine performance for her and uh, she can look back uh, she, she should be happy with this I think well more mystery around the rider behind Alvarado Anne-Marie Vorst well no clear communication on what is going on there either we had a story come out that she had a knee injury after the Super Prestige in Rudderforde and that that was why she skipped the World Cups of Zonhoven and Overijse. But then today there was an interview during the broadcast that told us that she had a very hard trainings week and that she was using the Koppenberg as the final part of that trainings week so she would be good at the European Championships. But that doesn't sound like she had a knee injury. And it's, they also said there that she deliberately skipped those two World Cups to be good at the European Championships. Also a very weird story. I mean, to both teams, I mean, they have the same management. I would suggest put out clear statements that don't contradict each other. Because this is a very confusing and it makes it hard for us to analyze what happened. Was Worst bad? Was she injured? Was she prepare, preparing for the European Championships? I have no clue. Well, I, I I heard that interview as well when they I think it was the trainer of Worst or at least someone that was uh, involved in what she's doing, and and he was stating that he thinks he, he thought at the at the at the beginning of the race or at least I think one lap or two laps uh, into the race that that Worst would have a a second attack midway through the race, um, while you could clearly see that Worst was like really like properly struggling, so I. Like I, I really don't know what's going on there. It's it's a bit weird. It's um, it's not clear, like you said. It, it makes it makes it all, all like it gives a weird vibe to the complete uh, story and situation, and, and you are always guessing what's going on. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's um, weird, like you say, and 
I, I hope that they will have a clear clarification of what's going on right now because um, it's obviously not it's not going well. Let's put it that way. Well, I guess next week we'll see at the European Championships. I mean, apparently everything was to be good there. We have our first intel of the course that is that if it's rainy, it will be pretty hard. But it's certainly not as hard as the Koppenberg. So, I mean, I guess it should be something for Brandt and Alvarado. But, well, Fosch also racing with the elite. Betsmar, woman of the season so far. We will see. Something that also catch my attention today was Millie Cousins, who ended... 12th at the end of the race was in the top 10 for a while mentioned in our we mentioned her in our preview podcast 12th place very solid by the young british rider from eco Kreland, in my opinion to be able to do that on such a young age on such a parkour it's uh, truly amazing uh, she was also quite good last year year so um clearly it's a course that uh, she very much so enjoys and hopefully uh, she will be uh, working her way up the ranks over the coming years and uh, keep building on these performances. A final rider I would like to mention here is the young Belgian rider Fleur Morse. Just turned 16 years old, I think, two weeks ago. So to finish the Koppenberg Cross and then also in 24th position as a first-year junior, also born in mid-October, it's truly a special performance. And she beats a rider like Sam Kreese is in the... Well, she's just behind Amaria Meller and me, Björndal Ottestad, who have been doing good in smaller C2 races. And, I mean, close to a top 20 here is also a very good performance. And maybe this is uh, one of the Belgian talents that looks to be coming through, which, in my opinion, would somewhat be necessary, considering there is a big lack of talent coming through in Belgium. Well, with that said, let's take a short look at the men's under-23 race. We saw there a great battle between Pim Ronhaar and Cameron Mason. They really pushed each other to the limits, with eventually Pim Ronhaar being the winner there, defeating Cameron Mason by only 6 seconds, both riders falling across the line as they were so tired. I mean, we're not going to go into a lot of details for this race, but... I would like to mention this. I, I just couldn't not mention this great battle and Cameron Mason continuing that forwards trend that he started yesterday with that ninth place in Overijse. Yeah, I, I think um, that 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 Cameron Mason is just starting that that upwards line like you were you're talking about and is only going up. Uh, maybe it's going up just on time for the European Championships, but he. he you know, Ronhar was looking very strong, but uh, he was um, he was bringing on the fight to Ronhar, and he made it a very, you know, a, a race with a lot of tensions. While it could have been a boring race, I would say, but behind them also Thibaut Nice on the third place. That was, I think, also a very very strong performance on his comeback, the first race after his crash in fight field, and uh, that that was also very impressive, um, to be honest. Yeah, that was definitely impressive. I was also impressed by the performance of Dario Lilo, who ended 7th here for the Deschamps Group Hens Mass Containers team. The Swiss champion under 23, good to see. And if we come back to Cameron Mason, he is a Brit. And if we look at the back end of the top 10, we see Joseph Blackmore, first year under 23, followed by Roy Maguire, second year under 23. And in 11th, we have Corin Carrick-Anderson, also a first year under 23, all from Great Britain. And to see these riders up here in a very highly contested race, I mean, it's very good to see. And I hope that at least some of these Brits will be able to pull through because, of course, we had talents, but Ben Tullet is focused on the road at Ineos. 
Pitcock also focusing on other disciplines. And then it's good to see that there's other riders, especially considering that Ben Turner just signed a contract at Ineos as well. And although he will be looking to do cyclocross together with Pitcock, it probably also means that he will be focused more on the road as well now. So it's good to see, as I said, that there is also more British talent coming through. Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, Great Britain just really uh, keeping on on developing uh, these uh, very fun young talents and really uh, settling themselves in as the third um, cross country of the world. Then let's run through some of the other UCI results in Europe of this weekend. Let's start in Italy. There were two races. The race today was in Cremona and it was won by Jacob Dorigoni in front of Giole Bertolini who sprinted it out for the win with Filippo Fontana being dropped in the last lap ending in third. The women's race there was won by Silvia Persico coming off a very strong performance in Overijse ahead of Sara Casasola and Gaia Realini in third. Yesterday's race in Italy then was run by Davide Toneati ahead of Jacob Dorigoni and Gioele Bertolini. Dorigoni and Bertolini had mechanical issues which caused them to drop back and they ultimately couldn't recover from that. The women's race there was won by Gaia Realini ahead of Sara Casasola and Rebecca Gariboldi. Today there was also a C2 race in France in Dijon, not many French top riders at the start but it was Valentin Guillot who took the win ahead of Jan Gras and Anthony Dumont. The women's race there only had 11 starters but it was Anne Morichon who took the win ahead of Marlène Petit and Marine Strapazon ended third. Well there was also racing in the United States, the USCX series might have ended but there was racing in Indianapolis. On Saturday it was Josse van der Meer who took home the win in front of Scott Funston and Cody Cup. Not many of the big American riders there, plenty of them decided to take some rest. The day after that, Josse van der Meer had mechanical issues, so that left Scott Funston able to take home the win. 20-year-old American defeated Caleb Swartz and Julius Jules, I must say, van Kempen for third place. Both the women's races there were won by Sonny Gilbert, the 42-year-old American is still able of doing it. On Saturday, she beat Emily Werner and Erika Savetta for the victory and on Sunday there were two other riders on the podium it was Anna McGill in second and Lizzie Gunsels in third. We are coming towards the end there was a C2 race in Munich around the Olympic Stadium this is actually a race that wants to become World Cup it was Marek Konwa who took home the win in front of first year under 23 Matej Stansky and Tom Linder the German ended third honorable mention for Heinrich Hausler who ended eighth there. Women's race there in Munich was won by Zemanova ahead of Jacqueline Schrennenblei and Elisabeth Brandau. Our final race here then was the Grand Prix de Conterne, which was held on Saturday, C2 race in Luxembourg. Men's race was won by our Spanish hero Felipe Orts ahead of London Lokes and Thijs Aert. Marie Schreiber was able to claim the victory on home soil ahead of Fauve Bastiaansen and Susanne Verhoeven. Well, we have certainly rounded it off our trip through Europe and also across the ocean to the United States to look at these results. And we've covered the Koppenberg, so I think we've had it for this weekend. Twan and Issam, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. We will be releasing another podcast tomorrow with Erwin Verwecke. Three-time world champion is joining us to talk about the reforms of the Cyclocross World Cup. Certainly worth listening, so make sure to tune in for that episode of roughly 35 minutes. 
If you like this episode, please share it and give it a rating. And we will be back, as said, tomorrow. And after that, with a European Championships preview. Catch you guys then. Goodbye.